You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Gators Breakdown, the Gators Fan Podcast, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. This episode of Gators Breakdown is ready to go. I'm your host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SCC. Joining me for this episode of Gators Breakdown is co-host Will Miles. You can find him on Twitter at Will Miles SEC and his work at readandreaction.com. Will, we continue our opponent previews, and now we're up to the Missouri Tigers after uh, you know Florida and Georgia meet up in Jacksonville. Missouri will be on the schedule next. Uh, we, we all remember this last year, Florida coming after uh, off of the Georgia game and then going to Missouri, uh, and you're not really putting up, putting up much of a fight. You know, this is a, a Missouri team where you go back and look at uh, what happened last year and how they ended the season – they got a little bit of hype behind them. Yeah, you know, I mean, they came into that Florida game three and five, and I think everybody sort of thought Florida'd get healthy after licking their wounds after the Georgia debacle, and that just wasn't the way that it happened last year. So, uh, you know, that'll that'll sort of be probably the way that the way Florida's coming into this one. I think most people expect that Florida's going to struggle with Georgia, but you know, we'll see. Maybe they give Georgia a really good game. Maybe they even pull it out. But uh, but Missouri, I think, is going to be a reasonably formidable opponent. I don't know that they're going to be you know a top ten team, but I think I think we can envision a scenario where they'd be a top twenty five team, and that's kind of probably around the area where Florida's going to be too. So it should be a good game. All right. Before we get into our Missouri breakdown, remember you can find Gators Breakdown on newsforjacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. There you'll find all the Gators Breakdown episodes as well as articles from the News for Jack sports team and all the previous opponent previews all the way up to now uh, in the Missouri one. Uh, that's where we're at right now, but you can go find them at newsforjacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. Also, you can follow Gators Breakdown on social media at uh, Facebook and Twitter at Gators Breakdown and listen to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and YouTube there. If you want the video version, so Will, as we mentioned, Missouri seven and six last year, went four and eight the year before. Uh, Barry Odom, this team started one and five, ended the set, uh, ended the season seven and six. As I mentioned, they caught a little bit of hype, but I'm not buying it totally. You know, uh, Drew Locke and his fe- feast on some uh, weaker opponents, and that I just kind of noticed this before you and I, uh, you know, we hit the record button here and you know, starting with the Florida game, uh, they ended the season with four straight SEC opponents. Florida, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, and Arkansas. Three of those four fired. Three of those four teams fired their coach. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't really a murderer's row when you look at some of the teams that they beat. Um, you know, certainly the Missouri State game where they put up 521 yards passing, um, and I think 71 or 72 points. Um, not exactly a, uh, a barn burner competition there. But, you know, I mean, for what Missouri was expected to be last year, particularly after they started, I think, one and five. Um, you know, to write the ship, I think, is pretty impressive by by Odom there at, at Missouri. And, and you know, Locke, while feasting on some teams that have not been fantastic, has improved each of his years. So his freshman year, he was just awful. 5.1 yards per attempt, 49% completion percentage. He raised that to 55% in 2016 and 7.8 yards per attempt. So really kind of average. And then last year, he was the best quarterback in the SEC statistically. 9.5 yards per attempt and a 58% completion percentage. So if he can bump that up to 62 with as much as they go down the field, Missouri's going to have a very, very difficult offense to stop. The question with Missouri, at least over the last few years, has always been stopping other people. But I, I think we can expect that they're going to light the scoreboard up a little bit, uh, particularly with Locke commanding the offense this year. And uh, it'll be interesting to see whether their defense can can uh, can at least hold them in games and, and maybe make them a little bit more competitive against some of the big boys. They better hope Locke is commanding the offense and not Derek Dooley. I still, <laughs> I still can't believe that hire. I would never know why they hired him. The guy has never called plays before. Uh, he was awful at Tennessee. Um, you know, and coming from a very, very subpar record at Louisiana Tech, I believe. How he ever got a Tennessee job, I'll never know either. Uh, he walks into another job. I don't know how he got. You know, hopefully, you know, just for Missouri's sake, you know, he he doesn't try and come in and, and change a whole lot. You know, to lock as you mentioned, you know, he, he has progressed. And look, you go look at the NFL draft boards. He's high on NFL draft boards too. There, so you know, I'm not saying he doesn't have any talent or anything. He does feast upon the weaker opponents. But as you mentioned, you know, he, he's getting better. Uh, he, he's going through. Uh, his, his career now, it, it's coming to an end. Josh Apple's gone uh, to UCF as the head coach there, now replacing Scott Frost. You know, we're just going to see uh, what happens there uh, with with Dooley coming in. I'm just, I, he probably will slow down the offense a little bit. I don't think his style is, is speed him up, speed him up, speed him up. Uh, but I don't think you want to hurt what, what Locke has learned in these last few years. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Locke is not incredibly accurate, at least not uh, not in the traditional sense, but he's really accurate when he throws the ball deep, which we certainly saw last year against Florida. He was able to burn some of the corners on some deeper routes, hit guys on back shoulder throws that were pretty accurate, give his receivers a, an opportunity to go get it. Um, you know, they have, they were eighth in offensive yards per play last year. They were eighth in pass yards per play, 24th in rush yards per play. So they had a pretty good rushing offense, too. And that's not Locke. I mean, I, I sort of think of Locke as somebody who can really move around the pocket and could run a read option offense. That's not really what he does. He sits back in the pocket and chucks it. He does not run an awful lot. So they had a pretty good rushing offense last year, losing a couple of guys on that side of the ball, but certainly getting, getting some running backs back as well. Um, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, the transition to Dooley is probably going to mean that they lean on their running backs a little bit more. And I think for Missouri, that's probably a bad thing overall, but it might help keep them in some games where instead of a couple of quick three and outs and touchdowns the other way where the defense is gassed, maybe it gives the defense a little bit of a rest. But um, I'm with you. I'm not real impressed with the Dooley overall record. I'm thankful he went to Tennessee because that sort of made it fun for a little while. <laughs> but, uh, you know, hey, maybe he'll come out with like uh, some – black and yellow striped pants or something to, <laughs> to, to accentuate the uh, his wardrobe stylings that he started at Tennessee. 
Yeah, I went through and looked at because you know you can look at um, you know, as soon as the, the previous NFL draft is over, it's it's fast forward to the next year's class, and you know I have noticed you know lot getting uh, talked about uh, a good bit, you know talking about being an NFL draft prospect and what they want to see from him going into this season is making more uh, uh, progressions, going through his full route tree uh, to his receivers. And you mentioned his completion percentage uh, around 58%. You know, can he get that up to like a mid sixties, you know, point to where, you know, that, that, that kind of speaks to improvement, cutting down on mistakes and the, and the turnovers, you know, six, four, two twenty five, really good size, Uh, you know, 44 touchdown passes, 9.5 yards attempt. You know, the numbers are good, but, you know, for him and I think Missouri to be even better, you know, how, how, how much do you keep the ball in his hands? Do you, do you speed the offense up to where your defense has got to go back out there again? I don't think that's Dooley's style, but I really don't think you can change what Locke has done without hurting his game somewhat. No, I actually think that they're in for they're in for a rude awakening if they try to make him a sixty-five percent completion passer. That that's sort of transitioning more to a West Coast offense mm-hmm. type of thing, where you're doing short passes, bubble screens, trying to get guys on the outside. That's not really what Missouri did last year. Missouri went down the field a lot. And when you go down the field a lot, you're not necessarily going to have the most accurate um accurate statistics you know the quarterback isn't going to be the most accurate he could be if you're chucking it down the field a lot but Locke is pretty accurate on those throws down the field I don't have the stats in front of me but he completes a much higher percentage than most people when you go down the field Um, and so that's certainly something that uh, that you know all the teams that play Missouri are going to have to be cognizant of and if Dooley takes that away from him that's taking away a major weapon that Missouri has used over the last couple of years to move the ball um, the interesting sort of segue here is that Locke has shown improvement in a, in a capacity that we'd really like to see from somebody like Felipe Franks on the Florida side um, so it's going to be interesting to see does he continue to progress or does he sort of cap out um, you know I, I know that you know, Franks didn't have a great year last year, but if he can progress the same way Locke did, then this could be a much better game than it was last year. Yeah. Oh man, I was just, I, uh, I knew that stat. I saw that stat not so long ago about uh, on Twitter, but I forgot who put it out of uh, downfield passing. And I, I do believe, yeah, Locke was a uh, high, uh, pretty high up there. Um, uh, talking to that stat about throwing the ball down the field uh, a little bit, you know, but if the, if Missouri wants to run the ball, they they, they may can do it. You know, they, they they gave up the fewest sacks in the nation last year. Um, the offense, you know, was going warp speed uh, there. You know, but the time of possession, twenty five minutes for Missouri. Uh, their opponents, thirty four. Uh, you know, thirty five minutes uh, there. The offensive line was 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 pretty good. All five starters are back. So you know, they lose their leading receiver, Jamon Moore. Uh, Ish Witter also done at, run, at running back, but you have a one-two punch of uh, Larry Roundtree uh, and, and Crockett, uh, Demaria Crockett, uh, who's uh, who, who uh, was hurt last year with, with a shoulder injury. So you got those two guys, but you know, even with all five starters coming back, you know they're still not really known as you know, this run you over type of uh, offensive line. You know this is more of a Big Twelve style of offense than more of a SEC style of offense. Yeah, I mean, I certainly think that the that the running or the passing game probably opened up the running game a little bit last year. But you know, like you said, they've got Roundtree and Crockett coming back, and then you've got the five offensive linemen coming back. They're all three star guys, but they've all been in the system for a fairly long time, except for Colon Castillo at center. He's a sophomore, but everybody else is a junior or a senior on that line. 
And, you know, the running backs, so Roundtree averaged 5.6 yards per rush on 126 rushes, and Crockett averaged 6 yards per rush on 80, and then the guy who left, Ish Witter, averaged 5.6 on 188. So, really, they're replacing they're replacing Witter with guys who have shown the same type of efficiency numbers with a significant number of carries. And so, um, you know, whether the whether the passing game's opening that up or not, whether it is sort of more Big 12 style than 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 SEC style, I guess, if you're going to define it that way. I'm not sure that it matters. I mean, if you're having six yards a clip on the ground and you're averaging 10 yards a clip in the air, you, you're going to score a bunch of points. And, <laughs> and that's what happened last year. Missouri scored an awful lot of points. So they scored 488 points, which wasn't too far off from what Georgia scored last year. So Georgia scored um, in significantly more games, 531. So really, if you're looking at the offensive side of the ball, Missouri was on par or even better than Georgia. Problem is they gave up 414 points on defense to 246 for Georgia the year before or last year. So um, that's really the side of the ball that's going to decide how how good Missouri is it's the area where they can make the most improvement from one year to the next i expect may, i mean there are a few questions on offense but at the end of the day it's almost the same guys back except for dooley and unless dooley throws like a giant wrench in what they were trying to do i expect them to be able to put up some points yeah and going around and looking at it, many expect him to slow the offense down a little bit you know it's not but i don't expect you know, there's i don't think he's even he can mess it up enough where you, you're going to put the brakes on this offense might slow it down a little bit but my some of it might be to for them to to stop turning the ball over because missouri gave away an sec high 25 turnovers 14 in the first five games last year so part of that winning streak toward the end of the season was your know, turnovers did slow down a little bit, but you know, it's 25 turnovers and block uh, a good bit of that um, a, a, as well. But you know, maybe Dooley comes in and, and sees that, and maybe that's where some change in the offense comes along. Is you know, if, if Locke doesn't improve, you see in camp that he's still turning the ball over or whatever, then they may lean more on the running game and slowing that clock down just a little bit to quit turning the ball over so much. Yeah, the biggest difference that I saw in the start of their season to the end of the season was just that Locke played better. So, I mean, against Missouri State, he played very, very well, but he's below average against South Carolina, Purdue, and Auburn. He was barely above average against Kentucky. He played pretty well against Georgia, but obviously Georgia's a good team. And then all of a sudden against Idaho, it just picked up. And he was he was well above average against Idaho, Connecticut, Florida, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, Arkansas, and then just slightly above average against Texas. And that was the only game that they lost in that stretch. So, I mean, certainly that, that time ties in with the interceptions that he was throwing. It also ties in with the quality of the schedule. And I wouldn't say Purdue or Kentucky or <laughs> <laughs> really high, a really high-level competition, but certainly Auburn and Georgia and South Carolina were. Um, and and so, you know, the the teeth of the schedule was early, and they lost the games there. Um, you know, and, and the uh, – and, and by the time it got a little bit light and you sort of mentioned the guys who'd been fired by the end, that's when they struggled. But, you know, some of that is turnovers, I'm sure. Some of that is why the defense improved in the second half of the year. But – the defense also improved because they held the quarterbacks to much lower averages. So Idaho only averaged 5.5 yards per attempt, Connecticut 4.5, Florida averaged 8.8, .8, but that was sort of after the game was already decided. Tennessee averaged 4.3, Vanderbilt averaged 6.7, Arkansas averaged 10.4. That was really the only game where the Missouri, the old Missouri defense showed up. And even against Texas, so Texas only averaged 5.8 yards per throw. Um, certainly, I think some of the turnovers turned the game in in, in the Longhorns' direction. But um, you know, Missouri in the second half of the year was a solid team. 
I think had they played that way the entire year, they probably would have been borderline top 25, maybe even a top 15 team, depending upon, um, you know, if they played that way against Purdue, played that way against Kentucky, all of a sudden you're looking at a team that's nine and four rather than seven and six. And we've got a little bit different feel for how their season went last year. Yep. And if you move to the other side of the ball, look, hey, they, um, they led the Missouri defense. Uh, led the SEC in tackles for loss and to go along with 33 sacks. You know, you, you think about Missouri's defense, you think about the defensive line, you always go to their defensive end situation and, you know, the, the, the history that they, they have there. Uh, but for, you know, speaking of right now, uh, Marcel Frazier, Jordan Harold uh, are going with Trey Williams. Uh, if he can come back from an injury, uh, looks to be a, a star there in the making. Chris Turner uh, has some upside, but, you know, it's going to – the, the plays. It much, I think most like Florida situation there, I think the tackles are going to help the ends out so much. And what they have there uh, is uh, Terry Beckner, uh, who's a big-time playmaker there, Walter Palmore. Uh, you know, th- those two lay uh, some groundwork uh, of being a pretty good tandem at, at, at uh, defensive tackle for, for Missouri and open up that, that pass rush. Who's, you know, we'll, we'll see if they can just kind of keep up with the pace of what we know the Missouri defensive line can be. Yeah, well, that, that's an interesting – it's an interesting observation that they're getting into the backfield quite a bit. I mean, Barry Odom is a defensive coordinator at heart, which might mean – which might explain why he brought in somebody like Dooley because uh, he, <laughs> he maybe doesn't know the offense all that well. I would say that one of the interesting things – so when we looked at Vanderbilt and when we looked at Tennessee in the previews, one of the things we noted was that their leading tacklers were safeties, which was an indication of a very poor defense. And I think when you look at um, – when you look at Missouri, that's not the case. So uh, weak side linebacker and middle linebacker, Therese Hall and Cale Garrett were the leading tacklers last year. Not only that, but they were getting a bunch of tackles for loss and even had a few sacks. And so those guys are back this year, and those guys are sort of going to set the tone for the defense. And it's a good thing when your linebackers are leading the team in tackles because it means the defensive line is taking up the offensive line, and the offensive linemen aren't able to get to the second level. Um you know, certainly Missouri struggled in 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 some of the key defensive areas, but they weren't awful when you look at them over the entire year. Um, you know, so they were 51st in defensive yards per play, 65th in defensive pass yards per play, and 43rd in defensive rush yards per play. That's against FBS opponents. They weren't awful, but they weren't great. But certainly, not having defensive backs as the top three tacklers, like like some of the teams from Tennessee had, is is a good sign for this defense that there's that there's space for them to improve. They're bringing back seven of the eleven starters. Um, certainly, those linebackers that I mentioned, who are the who are the big uh, who are the big guys on that defense, who set the tone. And you know that there's room for them to improve because they weren't fantastic last year. But certainly, you know, Missouri's opportunity to improve is going to be slight improvement or maybe significant improvement on defense, while hoping that the offense stays just as good. Yeah, that's a, that's a good observation too that you that you said. You know, I think the defensive tackles they probably help those linebackers out just as much as they help those help those defensive ends out uh, there. And you go back and look at Therese Hall as you mentioned, second on the team with eighty five tackles. He had twelve and a half tackles for loss last year. So, you know that uh, as you mentioned, you know, looking at that, that they may they were while they weren't you know one of the SEC's best defenses. It looked like if you go by laying tackles for loss, they made the most of their opportunities. 
Yeah, well, and if you look at the defense, so we've mentioned a few times in these previews looking at the star rating of the defensive linemen. And at Missouri, the defensive line rating for, from 24-7 is 91.0. So they got some real skill up front, which allows those linebackers to sort of roam free behind there. Now, when you look overall at Missouri's talent level, it's 86.6, which is behind Kentucky, behind South Carolina, and really only ahead of Vanderbilt in the in the SEC East. And so that's kind of where you'd expect them to sit. But they kind of have the talent at the right places, right? They've got a quarterback who's playing at an elite level. They've got a defensive line that's playing at an elite level. And so, you know, being able to keep those, being able to keep the offensive linemen off the linebackers clearly, I think will be the key this year. And we'll see, uh, we'll see whether they can do that against teams that are not, you know, Missouri Valley state. <laughs> Part of the problem too, is when you have an offense like this is the defense is on the field. A lot, so, you know. I think part of the production uh, could come from that too. And uh, a key stat on on third down, you know, they, they were awful on, on third down last year. They allowed teams to convert over forty three percent of their chances on third down. So uh, not good. You know, go back uh, Georgia game and be, go back and while they were you know early on in that game, keeping up with Georgia, uh, Georgia was able to convert thirteen of eighteen uh, against them. So. If Derek Dooley comes in, slows this offense down, and, and, and Locke is a quarterback they can count on to keep that offense on the field a little bit more, this defense maybe can even take a t- take a step forward because they're not on the field as much. Sure. Well, and so this year the average experience on the defense is two point nine one years. So they have a bunch of sophomores on this defense. So Trey Williams at defensive end, Jordan Elliott at defensive tackle, Chris Turner at defensive end, um, Adam Sparks at, at cornerback, and then Joshua Bledsoe at free safety are all sophomores. But but you know that means last year's defense was even more inexperienced because, like I said, seven of those guys are returning, and so. Um, you know, one of the things that that you'll note is that regardless of how talented guys are, especially on defense, experience really matters. And so that extra year of experience may allow them to be better on that side of the ball. I mean, I'm not predicting that Missouri is going to win the East, but I think when you've got a guy like Locke, you've got a shot at any time against any team. I mean, if he just lights it up and the defense can just sort of hold on, <laughs> then you've got an opportunity to win. Um, and I do think that the more experience that they get um, on that defensive side of the ball means that they can then rotate in some new guys um, and maybe and maybe give them a little bit more rest. But yeah, the way that offense is set up, it's always going to tax the defense. Um, the recruiting on that defensive side of the ball has not been um, has not been fantastic. They've been sitting in the 35 to 40 range. And, and so, you know, I, I don't expect massive improvements from the Missouri defense, but, you know, we'll see. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they, if they turned out better than what most people think. So, I, well, I think going and looking at it for, for what we know this far to defense and for the love Wilson and Henderson gets when this game rolls around, you know, when you play Missouri and you look at all the other teams in the SEC East, they're really the only team built like this. Part of it's because of the quarterback, and they have a quarterback that that is proven who can who can sling it all over the yard. Uh, and like as I said, if I'm going to put that moniker on it, more of a Big 12 style of offense than an SEC style of offense. But you go through and look at the SEC East. You know, Georgia's more built on on. Uh, Running the ball, you know, still kind of under center I formation, if you will, at times as well. You know, Florida and Dan Mullen is more of a, a power spread run team. Uh, you, you would think that Tennessee would prove it. They're going to be more of a kind of a, you know, I formation. Go back. I, I think Pruitt's going to kind of be that more, you know, what we say style of SEC mold offense there. They're really, when you go to play Missouri and, you, and how they match up against Florida, and we see that the secondary Florida has and just the, the, 
the the route tree and the combination and the style of offense Missouri brings to the table, you know, this is kind of going to be a unique matchup when you go around there and play this team just because nobody else in the SEC plays like them. Yeah, it's not it's not quite the same thing as when like a team has to go play Georgia Tech and you got to play the triple option. Um, certainly, I get that every year when Virginia Tech, where I went to grad school, plays Georgia Tech, and you get to see that sort of formation. It's not that kind of deviation, but but yeah, I mean there are different keys to look at. There are different uh, there are different things that you got to study, and 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 it is just different. And like I said, coming off of the Georgia game. Um, Florida might be pretty beat up regardless of whether they win or lose that game. And so you can envision that, that it's a little bit tough to then get up for a game against, against Missouri. The one thing I will say is that I think Florida was pretty embarrassed by the performance mm-hmm. that they had against Missouri last year. I think the defensive backs in particular were embarrassed by Missouri. And so I expect them to come out and be considerably more physical. And that's one of the ways you can really, you can really hamper a defense like this is get up there and really get your hands on the receivers. Don't let them get clean releases. Don't let them throw those back shoulder fades because they can't get off and and the timing gets all screwed up and uh you know if, if florida's corners really take it personally what happened last year i think they have the talent to to offset some of the things that the wide receivers for missouri might want to do uh, but certainly you know Locke will get his and and this isn't this isn't the type of team where i think you can come in with an offense that's going to score 16 points like florida did a lot of times last year um you know mullen's probably gonna have to put up 24 27 30 points to get the win um and the hope is he'll be able to do that all right, well, that's our look at the Missouri Tigers there. A week after, as you mentioned, after the Georgia game and Florida will return home uh, to host uh, Missouri. Will, anything else about this Missouri team? No, nah, man, just uh, just looking forward to seeing Locke. He's, he's a good quarterback, and uh, I'm interested to see whether he can take that next step forward or whether he sort of levels out. All righty, that's Will Miles. You can find him on Twitter at WillMilesSEC and his work at ReadAndReaction.com. I'm your host of Gator Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gator Breakdown. <laughs>